0: Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. My son was excited when he got his driver's license. I was thrilled that he was able to drive himself, and I taught him very early on when he was pursuing his license to always look out for the blind spots. These were the areas that he could not see initially, but had to always be aware of because if he didn't check his blind spots, there's always that chance he could be in an accident. This happens for businesses as well. As you're thriving and growing your organization, there may be times you could forget that there are blind spots even in your arena. Today, we have a special guest with us. Dave Matson is a CEO and president of Sandler Training. It's an international consultant organization headquartered here in my state of Maryland, Owens Mills. they are now over 250 Sandler offices in 32 different countries around the world. They train over 31,000 people each year. These professionals are benefited with an incredible system and structure to help boost their confidence and help their career sales. Today, we're glad to have Dave Matson. He's going to be sharing some thoughts on some of his books. And we're actually gonna speak specifically on one of those books, The Road to Excellence, Six Leadership Strategies, Build a Bulletproof Business. Before we get Dave on, I want to share that I personally benefited from going through Sandler training. I love the process. I appreciate the approach, the methodology of going into every sales transaction, from the psychology behind every sale to the workshops. And I finally remember the workshop, the buyer-seller dance. Dave, it's good to have you on the Twins Talking Up program. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: This is Danny from time to time when Dave and I are speaking, you'll actually hear David say, this is Dave. And I'll say, this is Danny (laughs) because we sound alike. And then we look alike, except for at this moment, Dave is sporting a goatee, So we're going to give him a little grace at this time. Uh, One of the things I'm really excited about is that Sandler Training has really just been consistently ranked as one of the top sales training organizations and sales training systems around the world. In fact, on my consulting portion of my business, a lot of my clients have come to me and have stated that they have actually gone through the Sandler Training System. So I'm very excited to have the CEO on today. So one of the questions I have is that, give us a little thought that you can tell us over the last 12, 12, 15, maybe 18 months, how you've seen a shift because of this health pandemic. How has sales training changed or altered Uh, during this time of the COVID that's taken place this year?
1: Good question. I think there's a lot of things going on. As an entrepreneur organization, right? Uh, production solves all problems, if you think about it. So as an entrepreneur, as a leader, we probably had a lot of these blind spots, a lot of things that maybe weren't perfect. But because production was high, we just kind of pushed them off to the side, right? But with the pandemic, I think really what it's made us do as entrepreneurs is kind of slow down and say, we've got real gaping holes in the following areas that we didn't probably know about or we didn't pay attention to. So I think from a business leader perspective, it's really proven that we need some processes and things were not on autopilot. And, you know, and unfortunately, if you had to let some people go, it wasn't as easy as you probably thought by having somebody else pick up their job and it's seamless. And so therefore- What all roads lead back to us, right, as entrepreneurs, we may have found ourselves doing an awful lot that we weren't doing in the past. When it comes to training itself, you know, we went from 100% face-to-face to to virtual within days, right? So I think from when we had the the shutdown in March, from March to the end of June, we did 3,500 virtual boot camps, around the world that's a lot of boot camps that's not a webinar that's not a hello hello that's a that's a full-fledged two-day boot camp so we had switched as I said you know you said early on that we trained 31,000 people but what I have found is this is people are now want to know what the ROI is yes we've heard of Sandler that's great what am I going to get in return because I want to make sure that my decisions that I've made are spot on I don't have a time I don't have the resources. To go down a road that i shouldn't be going down so there's a lot of a lot of trials prove it to me show it to me which is fine with us because quite frankly if we don't bring value anyways you should get rid of us so if anyone says well i don't want to train a smaller group to get a bigger group i would be nervous we'd be happy to have them because we know that we will turn you into raving fans so that's one the other thing that's happened is most of the buyers have now come to the conclusion that maybe virtual training isn't as bad as what they thought it could be, right? I mean, normally, it would say, well, I want my people face to face. And it's true. There's a lot of value in that. But as an owner, as an entrepreneur, a couple of things have happened. One, we kind of love that travel and entertainment budget back, right? We love that. <laughs> and so I can actually train <laughs> the same budget that I used to you know, bring everybody in. But the other thing that's happened is we can touch you more frequently now. Because if you think about flying people in, if you didn't go to our training centers, which are right down the road from you, but if you said, hey, come see us, how often are we gonna do that? So it's like going to the gym, what? Maybe four times a year. But if I saw you 20 minutes a day, and that's gonna have a much bigger impact. And that's really what's going on. We give you a small nugget, a small tactic or strategy, go try it, come back, let's debrief, let's get another one. And that way it's not a fire hose, which you've taken 23 pages of notes and say to yourself a day later, what did that say? What did that mean? What's this? What's that? So of, of course we've got reinforcement, but I think it's just easier for people to grab onto things now, Danny, in today's environment.
0: Dave, this is Dave Brown. I appreciate what you're sharing. And it's so important to note that these businesses that were going through the pandemic, a lot of them suffered and they withdrew or withheld resources to, in their mindset, make it through the storm. But what we found, or at least what Dan and I've been discovering and speaking with some of our clients, is that that has actually hurt them more. Mm -hmm. This is the time to invest in your people, invest in increasing the resources to train sales professionals, not take it back. Yeah, maybe they don't have to have their suitcase and they're lugging around the world as much as they were before, but they still need the same type of sales training. So Dave, from your perspective and all the years you've been involved with this uh, training world, why is having skilled and trained sales leaders so significant even now, post or hopefully post pandemic?
1: Strictly just focusing on sales leaders for a minute. Well, look, sales leaders are probably the most important role in any organization because we control revenue, right? And as an entrepreneur, Many of you didn't come up through the sales ranks, so you actually are relying on that sales manager to tell you the truth, right? Mm-hmm. It's like sales manager, lawyer, accountant, because that's the, the revenue stream right there. You want to make sure that you know everything there is to know without doing the swag system. You say ten millions in the in the pipe, uh, that probably means two, right? So as close as we can get that, that's great. Here's the problem. Sales managers are the least trained group of people in any organization, especially entrepreneurial organizations. Why? Because you've looked around, you're doing the job probably, right? You're a player coach. And then you say, all right, I've got to get a sales manager. Who's the best person on my team to take that role? And so you go to Mary or to Jim and you say, hey, listen, you're a stud or you're a studette. I need you to replicate yourself and really just do for everyone else. Do what, they, do what you're doing and we would be great. The problem is that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Learning how to sell and learning how to manage the two different things. Being a kid and being a parent are two different things, right? So, yeah, I got it when I was a kid, but now I'm a parent, little different. So it's not that you can't become a great sales manager, but I think it's in times like this where we've got to just step back and say, Mm -hmm. all right, are my people accurately trained for today? Mm -hmm. Not what happened yesterday, but could they actually engage? And can we sell virtually? And are we actually getting all the decision makers and all the questions that you would want to ask? Is it actually happening for today and tomorrow's environment? Upskilling and reskilling are things that you're going to have to get your head around. Versus, it'll all go back to to the way it was. It's not going to go back to the way it was, and who knows where it's going back? But it's certainly not going to go back to 100% where it was. So, if you're remaining, you know, status quo, that's the beginning of death, right? You just can't remain. I think, as an entrepreneur, you should take advantage of all the other people who have the mindset just wait it out right? Just don't worry about it. And there are plenty of them, believe it or not. Most of our clients that are the entrepreneur size are actually gaining market share because they're going after those larger companies that are not moving as quickly, that don't have as much control over the people as we do, right? They can't see cause and effect of what they're doing because they're in some office somewhere, but you have that advantage. So take advantage of that because, that's, that's the time. And think about how much more productive you could be in this virtual environment versus one or two calls a week or a day, you can do five or six. So I think if you look at it as a half full opportunity, it's great. Here's the other thing. You have the ability to get talent in today's world that you couldn't have gotten before. I mean, we have almost doubled our our employee size here at Sandler in the last 12 months. Wow. Wow. And they're not in my backyard because with the remote workplace, I'm finding very qualified people in lots of different geographic areas that I would have never been able to get. And so the talent level of your organization is now time. So one of the things that I would say is, why don't you do a quick inventory of your process? Do a quick inventory of your sales methodology and your sales process, and determine is it actually there? Just mm. because you wrote it, you know, years ago and put it in the filing cabinet, that doesn't mean people are doing it. And now is the time. Look, any sports team that you follow has a playbook. They're yes. all they're all swimming in the same direction, right? They're not saying, "Hey, you make twenty thirty million dollars, and so do you, so do you." In the huddle, on the count of three, everyone do what they think is best. Break. That's
0: not how this works. Right. I, I do appreciate that. This is Danny, and um, there's a couple of things stand out. One, you you had said something that was awesome at a time where people are scaling back, letting uh, go, letting people in the organization go. You guys have doubled your your staff, which is fantastic. Uh, second thing you've said, which I see all the time in my consulting role in the industry, is that organizations will hire will take the best performing sales rep, as you stated. And put them in the sales manager role and say, hey, whatever you did, make sure everyone else is doing the same thing. Not realizing that these individuals have never been trained to be a manager. Right. Right. You said, hey, being a kid and being a parent, two different (laughs) things. You're absolutely right. I cannot stress enough. Please, members of our audience, specifically the executives, as you are growing and scaling your company, consider making sure your sales managers and your leadership team members are trained. I just, I can't stress that enough because it just causes so many problems down the road. Um, One of the questions I want to ask, and I I appreciate you bringing that up, is that a lot of the companies I meet with, or a lot of companies that Dave meets with, they've grown, timing was great. They may have had one or two salespeople that were great, but they're stagnant. And the reason why they're stagnant is because they don't have a sales process they don't even know what what point of the process things worked or didn't work can you talk a little bit more about the importance of staying authentic while sticking to the process and sticking to the script
1: sure so that's a that's like multi a faceted question, right? So one is sales methodology. And the other one is how do I have a conversational sales model when I'm supposed to be following this consistent script of some sort? So maybe I'll, I'll do both. But to, one comment to your previous statement as well. Listen, as an owner, you may think that you train your sales managers. Just take a blank piece of paper and write down over the last 30 days, what have I done in a one-on-one coaching or what mm-hmm. have I done from a training perspective to my sales leader? Now you're gonna look at that piece of paper because it's gonna be blank, I promise you. So don't fool yourself that you've done a lot. Chances are you've done nothing. All right, so sales methodology and sales process. There are two different things. Process is the way that you go to the market, right? You may have here's step one, step two, step three methodology is companies like Sandler. It helps you get through your process. Every company is going to have a slightly different process. If you don't have one, if you don't know what I'm saying, then sit down with your sales group and say, what is the first thing that we do? What's the second thing that we do? And get a room full of just flip chart paper and map it out, map it out because without consistent sales process, you can't coach because everyone's doing something different right? That's insane. You can't train. You can't onboard. Your CRM investment is a complete waste of time because you don't have a consistent methodology. So, and then by the way, your sales manager will fail. And then you're doing all this, but the reality is it's you create the sales process, create it. And then everything else kind of happens along the way, or at least you can be a scientist with a cause and effect, right? Because, Hey, we're making plenty of calls, not getting the result. That must be why here. Well, we've got a technique problem over here. Otherwise, you're just going to go to the doctor and say, oh, I hurt. Where do you hurt? "Uh, Everywhere. Why? I don't know. Okay. Well, that doesn't help anyone, right? It doesn't help anyone. So get a sales process down. I would say as an entrepreneurial company, probably 85% of you do not have one. And here's how you test it. It's your next sales meeting. And I know they're super exciting. I promise you, I can can already feel that there's exciting sales meetings that you run. Give everyone a blank piece of paper and simply say this. All right, everybody, I want you to just jot down the steps that we follow from the time that we are introduced or prospecting to the time that we are selling additional products and services to our customer. Just write down the steps that you follow. Now do it individually now. Don't look at your neighbor. And here's what you're going to find. Either A, it's pretty darn close. And I applaud you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Or you're going to find everybody has something different. And I bet you that's where we are. And that's a good opportunity for you to say, okay, we can't do it that way. Think about if everybody had a different way to figure out your commission structure. It wouldn't make me too comfortable, right? I would say, hey, that's not going to fly, right? Hey, what are we paying David today? Yeah, no, no, let's do it. Th- oh, yeah, yeah, over. No way. I want to know what's what. Especially, by the way, if you do have a sales process, the buyer journey is changing dramatically. Yeah. So you have to do a reality check. Did that fit yesterday or tomorrow? Now, let's do talk tracks, scripts. Mm. Look, Sandler is a conversational sales model. I'm not a big proponent of scripts. We have We have them because I think you have to learn them. But David Sandler always used to say, learn them and then just forget it. But I think salespeople have to treat, and sales leaders, you have to have scripts too. We have to treat our, it's a profession, right? This is not a hobby. So much like everybody in sports knows their plays, they practice, they practice. I practice my scripts all the time. I have talk tracks. If you sit down as a business owner and say, what are all the things that I want my people to be able to just know off the top of my head, 30-second commercial, value prop, competitive, whatever it is that's where you should capture your talk tracks. Mm. Now, we can talk about playbooks if you'd like, but here's how I would suggest you make them yours, is as a leader, everybody doesn't have to use every word that you wrote down. Don't micromanage a script because everyone's got a different personality and no one wants to read somebody else's, um, like when you have to do a speech, somebody else wrote it, it's uncomfortable. So make it yours. The second thing that I would do is say it out loud and say it out loud six times. Your ears have to hear what your mouth is saying. So the more you do it, and you're practicing without a buyer, the the more it becomes you, you're going to change it, you're going to change it, and then it just sinks into your long-term memory. What happens is if you don't practice enough, you're trying to figure out what to say, and you're not listening, Mm. and that's a problem. So know your part, and then you can figure out what's on the other side. But I I think... Danny, what happens is people don't practice enough. They don't practice their scripts. They just say, oh yeah, there's the script and they read it. And mm-hmm. no one wants to be on the receiving end of somebody reading a script. Look, you have an awesome product or service, I, I'm sure. But the, at the end of the day, people are buying you. Yep. And if you're not authentic, if you're not coming across as somebody that is just trying to figure out if I can help you with an issue, and I'm not sure what that is yet, and that doctor approach... We're not going to buy from you, especially in today's world. It's just not going to happen. So yeah, have a script. you know. But like, for instance, if you come into business with us, I give you a stick. Here are all the talk tracks. And I break it up by topic. Here you're prospecting. Here's a first call. Here's how you do a customer review. And here's the written portion. But here's an audio version so you can listen to it. Because people learn differently. If I listen Mm. to it, it's going to come out and I can hear the inflections and the tones. It's different than just reading it. And, you know, they'll listen to it enough times where it becomes them. And I think to me, that's what you have to really think about. And those scripts don't have to come from you owner. They just, you know, delegate it out. Hey, you know, David's awesome at that cold calling script. Just have him just you know, record it in his phone. Don't have him type it out. That takes forever that he's right. not gonna do that. Just put it, put it in some sort of audio file and share it. There's enough technology out there that can turn that into a Word document in five seconds. Yeah. So make it easy for people and don't think everything goes back to you as the leader.
0: We'll be right back after this short break. We wanna thank our sponsor for today's episode. Live, Love, Thanks. Live, Love, Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce... That App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. for all your vet needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up Podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners, 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the Subject Line Podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dspleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Dave, this is David. I want to say I'm getting so excited as you're sharing because it's taking me back. I hate to say it, but it's taking me back to President's Club and the things you're talking about. And it's true. I love the analogy of these sports franchises. They know their playbook. They know it in and out. They know what they're supposed to run. They know what the setup and scheme is. That's why it's important. That's why I kind of love, and I keep my playbook. I mean, it's been years, but I still keep my playbook on me because I remember when I'm about to make that call. Okay. Here's what I might be facing. Here's what I might need to understand, but as a public speaking coach, and that's what our focus is at DSB, a lot of what you said is what we echo. You got to find your own batting stance. You got to find what's comfortable to you. As long as you understand the script, as long as you understand what the process is, do what's comfortable in your own mind, because that prospect will know if you're being fake, if you're being authentic. The other thing you said that was so important is you got to practice. Yeah. You've got to practice. You know, one thing I will say, Dave, and I appreciate you've championed this throughout the time you've been leading Sandler. And at least when I went through Sandler, one thing I really appreciated is you guys institute different ways of understanding the psychology of selling. And you've done things from, like I said, the buyer-seller dance. You've done things from spin uh, training. I've gone through that a couple of times. And matter of fact, I did it again recently with a coach that I brought into my life to help me with certain aspects of my business. And I'm a high I and D, okay? I'm, I'm what's known as a persuader. And if I'm correct, Dave, I think you're somewhere around that high ID as well. And so knowing even the personality of who I am helps me when I'm prospecting. And if I know my clients long, long enough, I know their personalities and I'm able to really take that script and I'm able to adjust it towards that personality. So this is what I really love about spin training. I just wanted to throw that out. I'm not quite sure. Are you a high D and an I as well? I can't so, remember what you were, Dave. What yeah, are you? So
1: that's disc, right? Yes, so yep, DISC, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I am a DC.
0: DC. So All now,
1: right. wait wait a minute, it's from public speaking. How can that be, Dave? You're not an I. You, you speak for a living. <laughs> well, everyone can Everyone can speak. I can, you shouldn't say, oh, that's not my personality. It's not my personality either. I promise you. If I was at a party, I'd say, no, nothing. I'm in the corner watching you, right? Or I ask you questions to talk about you because that's much better than me talking about myself. So I'm on the introverted side. Mm. Now, we always have to remember, especially in public speaking and selling, people don't get paid, right, to buy the way you sell. You get paid to communicate the way they want to accept that information. Yeah. And the same thing holds true when it comes to speaking. You know, in, in public speaking... You know, as a, a non-public speaker, I would put in 10 hours of prep for every one hour talk. Wow! And so you think about it two day, that's a lot of prep, right? But I would be saying it out loud and it got better and better. And of course, that prep time can go down and down. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, and I know you teach this, the shorter the talk, the more the prep, because you've got to have an impact like this. Mm-hmm. If I get you for two days, you may not like me the first 20 minutes, but I'm going to get you over two days. I mean, we're going to be like best buds but if I only had you for an hour and you didn't like me for 45 minutes, I got a bit of a problem, you know? And I, and I always love the people that say, well, I've been doing this 25 years. I don't have to study. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, sometimes you have 25 years experience, but sometimes you have one year's experience 25 times. So, you know, I think a prospect and I think the people that work for you deserve your best each and every time. That's what you expect of them. So, Let's eat our own dog food.
0: <laughs> I love that, David. I appreciate it. It's so true. And you've got to be able to communicate in a way they're going to receive it. And I can't minimize or emphasize enough the importance of listening for those cues, understanding how they're responding to what you're saying, and then you modify it. That's the um, that buyer selling dance when you're mimicking them, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, and that whole process is a little bit of psychology, but you're trying to get them to understand that you can connect, you can relate. And I love that you share that. That's so important. This is Danny. I really appreciate that. I am more. We did an episode, Dave and I did an episode where we talked about are you an extrovert, yep. introvert, or ambivert? And, and it reminded me so much of that when you said you're a DNC, because that's who you, you are. Dan. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we are in a meeting with a whole bunch of people, and Dave and I are dressed the same, we look the same, we actually sound the same, our closest friends will say, How do you tell the difference between the two of them? And they said, Give them five minutes. Well, what do you mean? You'll see Dave talk to everybody in the room and you'll see Dan just sit there in the corner and just look at people. Yeah. Um, and so correcting, correcting
1: all the facts that didn't actually come out when David was talking. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. <laughs> um, what, let's, let's dive into one of your books because you have sure. a, a, several books and I want to make sure uh, at the end of our, uh, our podcast today, Dave actually will provide a link or provide the ability for people to get access to your books. Right. So one of your books, The Road to Excellence, Six Leadership Strategies to Build a Bulletproof Business. In your book, you write about how leaders can fall prey to these blind spot syndromes where their business can go off track. In your book, you also state that these business leaders don't know what they don't know about the obstacles they're about to face. So how do these 14 blind spots of or or leadership oversight developments can be done, can be easily recognized, and how can we help them with that? Because uh, we'll talk a little bit more about all four. I'll mention all 14, your blind the blind spots you mentioned, but can you give us a little bit more about how, what can be done once they recognize them?
1: So the first thing I think is you have to recognize them, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have some self-awareness that they could be there. And you also have to come to the conclusion that because they weren't there last time you checked doesn't mean they're there, not there now, right? So I look at blind spots, and David used the analogy of driving, it's true, but I also think about it as rust, right? Mm-hmm. So I fixed that over there. For instance, uh, I didn't have, I'm not giving people the whys behind the what's as I share You know, mm-hmm. a project. I say, this is what I need done, what blah, 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 But tell them the why, because if you've hired good people, you want them to give their expertise, but if they don't know where it fits or why they're doing it, they can't help you. Mm-hmm. So if you say, well, I did that, or I know somebody does that, well, maybe- But all the blind spots will always come back if you don't continue to to pay attention to them. They're like weeds, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, the more you grow your company, the more apt you are going to have blind spots because you have all these other people coming in with their own blind spots. So you've got corporate blind spots and you have individual blind spots. If we go back to that sales manager, look, you took those 14 blind spots and just did a checklist with your sales manager on a quarterly basis. Life would be good for you. Because you have to make sure that these things are being covered. So I think that's the first thing. But in the book, I mean, I give you, here's how you can figure it out. Do you have this blind spot? And here's how you can overcome it. You know, so for instance, we did a blind spot. You don't have a sales process. Now, we did that earlier in the podcast. Well, quick way to do it. It's what I said. Pull out a piece of paper and say, everyone write down what they're doing. Start to finish. And you're going to find out it's all over the place. Right. So I think our my job is not to just say, hey, this is the blind spot. But it's here's how you find it, and here's how you fix it so it doesn't come back. Yeah. But I, as an entrepreneur, I would do a quick inventory once a quarter to say, you know, is that is that gone? Is it is it done, or has it popped back in? And I think that's a that's a tough gig. You know, I was a client. And that's how I, I yeah. jumped this when I bought Sandler. I had been with the company for a while because I was actually a client, right? My parents did not come from a selling background. When I went home and told my parents I was going into sales, my mom thought I was moving in because I was totally unemployed and destitute, right? That's what she interpreted. Like, oh my gosh, I sent you to school. You're supposed to be something respectable. How did this happen? I mean, what, where, where, what, how did we go wrong? That type thing. And so I went to training because again, I, I thought if you worked harder, you become more successful. Mm. And those two things are not connected actually. And so that's what I was there. And so when I bought Sandler years later, I went in and I needed a playbook that uh, would help us get from where we were to where I wanted to be. And by the way, I wasn't even sure where I wanted to be, but I knew it was better than where we were. Mm. And that's what those that that playbook the 6P's yep. helped me get around. What holds us back from getting to where you want to be and remaining there is those blind spots. That's the mm. stuff that just drags you back down, right? And those are the things you have to pay attention to. And you may have blind spots of your own. Mm. You know, and I and in today's world I hear a lot of people saying, I'm I'm hiring experienced people and I'm bringing people in from my competitors. They know the industry. That doesn't mean anything. They have their own rough spots. They have their own blind spots. So I think you just have to be aware and acknowledge you have them and prove prove to yourself you don't have them versus Mm -hmm. prove to me I've got it. How about the other way around and see how that works?
0: That's awesome. This is Danny. Uh, Out of the 14 blind spots that you have listed in your book, uh, a few really stick out to me over the, over the years of the clients that I actually consult with on a regular, regular basis. And one is really failing to train and coach the management staff. Mm, that's I, true. I, That really is one of my pet peeves. When I walk in, Is like the CEO has a vision and nobody else knows about it, how to implement <laughs> it. And yeah. then one of the other blind spots you have is not knowing how to coach. Yeah. When people get put into leadership positions They don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. They just think, Hey, I did this. It worked for me. And then they don't know how to really teach to other people. And another thing that really just, just enlarged me as far as a blind spot, um, it's really to improperly onboard people. Yeah. I I see this all the time. When I ask, what is your onboarding process? They're like, what do you mean? We send them to HR and they're ready to go. (laughs) I'm just shaking my head. I don't get it. No, please. So out of all these blind spots, the 14 blind spots, we won't listen. We want our audience to go and read the book. Uh, while you're doing the research, which one was really the most surprising to you as you started compiling the blind spots? Which ones really stood out more to you? Was it the ones that you saw in yourself or is it the ones that you've seen over the years, coaching and teaching organizations? Which blind spots actually stuck out the most for you?
1: Well, I think the most common ones, and you've mentioned them really, is the sales process is common right? Mm-hmm. Onboarding, not coaching, you know, and I think, and we can just deal with these real quick, but I, uh, but I think if here are the four steps of great onboarding, can I share the four steps? Please, real quick please. Yes. Yes. So if I said, Hey, I've got a great onboarding program. Okay. But do you actually measure the time you hire to the time that they're profitable? Do you actually measure that time? And your wow. job is to shrink that, right? Your job is to shrink that and hiring experienced people from the industry is not it. Here are the four steps. Number one, list all the things that you want your people to become 100% proficient at. What is it, right? There's probably 60, 65 things. You could do this with a team. What's every? What's the everything that I want my people to be great at? Number two, put it in order of priority. Hmm. So for instance, they don't have to learn a quarterly business review the first week. They probably should be learning all the stuff that's necessary for them to become successful and be pr- productive in the first month, right? So you got to put them in order. Three, give them an example, give Mm. them an example. So if you say a 30 second commercial is something that you want them to learn in the first 30 days, give them an an example, back to our scripts, right? So give them an audio file, give them something to write. Don't just tell people you need a good 30 second commercial. Okay, got it. I'm going to go make mine up. No, 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 no. This is the one you use back to the football thing. Everyone make up their own plays (claps) break. That's not how this works. Here's the fourth thing. And the owners pay super close attention to this one. Test it. Mm. So, so, and if I wanted to say to you, uh, 30 second commercial is really important that you know in the first month, here it is. Uh, you know, what is what is he actually doing all month? He's practicing, right? Because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to let me down, right? New employee. So he's practicing. Check the box. That's a win right there. So when I call and I say, all right, Dave, listen, I wanted to, uh, Danny, I want to hear the 30 second commercial. Let's go. He's got to, he's got to give it to me. Now, this is my opportunity to coach. It's my opportunity to train, but I also know he's been practicing. Mm -hmm. Now here's when, you know, you hired the wrong person, by the way, you don't know when you hired the wrong person until they miss a couple of sales cycles. Right. And you're like, they're not producing what's going on here. So I would know that I made a bad decision if the following happens. I call up, you know, hey, Danny, it's time for me to hear a 30 second commercial. Oh, bad sore throat today. (laughs) Same sore throat as last week, Danny. Yeah, well, it's really bad. So they're dodging me. He's dodging me, right? Because if he's dodging me or it's horrific week after week after week, Mm -hmm. I don't have to wait for a sales cycle. I would just say, hey, listen, if he's dodging, he's not, this is, I have a culture of accountability. He's not taking it seriously. I'm telling him what it takes to be successful at my company. You're not doing it. I don't have to wait six months to see if you're going to sell anything. You got to go. You gotta go. Sometimes the greatest sales call that salespeople make on you as an owner is in the interview. Nice. Don't how many times have we said to ourselves, boy, I'll tell you what, I just hired a stud or a stud at, and then you put them on payroll. And it's like they're on social security on your dime. Like what what has happened? You actually have to leave. You have to go sell something now. What? So, but I want to smoke that out. But here's three things you could also say when it comes to coaching. Because you talk to people, they say, I'm a great coach. Well, I don't think so. Most of the times, if you're a sales leader and you're doing all this stuff for the owner, like all these things that popped up out of nowhere, uh, you're always reacting, right? And so when somebody comes in and says, okay, Dave, how do you handle this? I'm about to do a report. Yes, here's how you do it. You do this, you do this, you say this, you do this. Now I think I'm the greatest coach of all time. I'm almost like <laughs> ripping over my shirt. So you see this big S super sales manager, right? I'm like that. This is what I love. I mean, this is I was a stud in the field. I know this do this. Okay. So I give you that. You go out and do about 10% of it because it's not even your idea. I told you what to do. I think I'm coaching. That's not coaching. That's creating learned helplessness, right? Yeah. So here are three good questions you could ask. You don't have to even be a great coach, but uh, Hey, what could you do differently? Mm-hmm. So when they come in and explain a thing, that's great. Understand what do you think you could be doing differently? What could you do more of, right? More of, and what should we stop doing? If you just ask those questions and let them explain, mm-hmm. this is what I did. Well, this is what I should stop doing. And this is what I should do differently differently. It'll be much better for you. People have to solve their own problems. Coaching, if I do a parent analogy, is not coming home and having your mom do their homework. That's not coaching, right? Mm. Coaching is making you do your homework and she's guiding you through it. That's the big difference. I think we get confused on telling is not coaching. Self-discovery is coaching. But if you ask managers, especially new sales managers that have no training, they'll tell you they coach 60% of the day. You ask the salespeople, they say, I haven't been coached since I've been here. Yeah. So, a huge disconnect.
0: That's so true. That's so true. This is Dave. And we had an episode on our podcast. We had one of the founders of the International Coaching Federation, and the term that kept coming up was discovery. And that's so great that you mentioned that, Dave, that we're trying to help our sales professionals discover for themselves an incredible confidence level, the credible ability to go out there and repeat the sales process understanding the sales uh, playbook and putting into practice what they're learning as they're out there that's what's going to create success and you're right coaching isn't holding their hand and making them do it it's really guiding them based on what they want already they want to be successful and and if you put them out there with that mindset they're going to do well so i appreciate you making that point dude that's awesome and great questions by the way great questions to ask we'll be right back after this short break We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jakovitz of pauljakovitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit pauljakovitz. That's paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Thank you for checking out the DSB Leadership Speaking Podcast. If you are enjoying the program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash twinstalkitup. Also, consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple and comment on our other platforms, including YouTube. If you'd like to learn more and get more information, we would like you to become a guest on our future episode. Send us a message via our website at www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. I want to talk about the six Ps of your excellence process, right? There's the planning, positions, people, processes, performance, perform metrics, and passion. How did you come up with these six? And tell us a little bit more insight on them, please.
1: So I, I, I was a client and I, and I went to an organization a bunch of professors been training for a long time at a very prestigious school that we all know Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: uh they had the what but what was missing is hey you got to go plan Mm. oh okay i got that part what's that mean and so i had the how at sandler so we combined Mm. the two right and so basically planning is this you know we can go down we can put our gps and go down the highway but if you don't know where you're going it's not going to really help you so as an owner As an owner, you should ask yourself, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be in the business in the next three to five years? Where do you want to be? And I never did that. I actually just jumped to the part of, here's how we improve. But when I started to figure out, what does Dave want to do? And how does Dave see the business in three to five years? Everything actually changed. And so that's how you do the plan. And don't think about the people that you have. So because the second part is, once I have a plan, what's the best person at the best spot? What we make a mistake, and, and I did too, I promise you, because I have legacy people that have been here for 30 years. I say, oh, where's Mike going? Oh, Mike could do this job. Where would Sally? Oh, Sally could do this job. No, what you end up doing is create. Create an org chart that matches your vision of where you want the company to be. We added three different departments. We never had it ever. But mm-hmm. because it was part of my plan of where I saw us going, we needed to do that so that we created an org chart and then we filled it in with who's the best person and off sometimes we didn't have the right person so we had to go find the right person so that's part of the people section the next part of the people section is you've got to train and coach them right that's a full-time gig and then it comes to things like okay well process well Process, everyone hates process. That's like micromanagement. Oh my gosh, process, we're all processed out. Salespeople, we don't like process. Uh, That's a cop-out. Process is nothing more than a playbook, right? If you think about it and everyone has a process. So you just have to make it yours. So start to document what is the playbook for yourselves? How do we do things? If somebody left, how would we teach that job and make sure that you have that down pat, right? You've got to make sure that you've got that. The other thing that you of course want to do is have metrics yes. right so how are we measuring these things so if we know that we've trained our people we know that they should be doing this process that we've mutually have made then how do we measure that because just telling people this is the process without measurement doesn't do them any good and i don't know as a scientist what i should be changing right so now i can tweak and i can adjust and of course passion is it's not, it's a circular event. You've got to keep it going. You have to do all the things necessary for it to go. Otherwise, it just won't happen. And so you and I both know, you know, as owners, uh, we've got to keep the flywheels going in a lot of different areas. And so we've got to pay attention to that. But those are the, the peas behind the scenes. And, you know, you can, you can go on to YouTube and I've got a quick video of each of them for more. But I mean, I think that's really, it changed my life. Uh, I've took my whole management team through it twice, and then I just went out and bought it. You know, I just bought it and brought it into Sandler and said, let's now do this for the rest of the entrepreneurs. So we have a whole program for entrepreneurs to help them with that playbook thing, because it had such an impact on Sandler.
0: Dave, before this is Dave, by the way, before I get into where I want to add, what I want to ask you, because you're leading right into this next thought I have perform metrics that, that's pretty awesome. You take the word performance, you take the word metrics. We all know it's a, crucial for a company to know the KPIs or what are they tracking? Why are they tracking them? And it could be something as simple as how many calls they're making. It could be something as simple as how many appointments are they setting? Are there is their funnel really functioning correctly? So I love how you put that in there. But what really got me, Dave, is when you said, look, I saw this and I brought this into Sandler. I love that. And a couple of years ago, you also not too long ago saw something else that you decided was important for Sandler to continue to evolve and grow as an organization. Yes, we're known as the sales training company. This, we're the one-stop source, whatever you want to look at it. But you saw something that was interesting. You implemented a new program around leadership and it's entitled Leadership for Organizational Excellence. What was it about this that you saw and why was it so important to, to implement this now? And then what are some of the other things you're looking at on the horizon for Stanley?
1: So the reason why it was important is that sales is sales training and sales leadership training, that's our sweet spot. That's great. Um, and I want my people, as an owner, I want my people to be productive. But if we're not all swimming in the same direction, if we don't have a culture that is unified against our mission and our vision, then it's, it's not as effective as it could be. So I think just like we want to train our salespeople to become effective and efficient, we want to train us as owners and our leadership that says we're all heading in the same direction. And and we do understand what's going to happen in the next X amount of years. And we've done all those things. So I think for us, it's the same thing that we would want our salespeople to do, which is to continually get better. You know, as owners, ask yourself, when was the last time I actually did self-development for myself? What when was that, actually? And so I think, you know, if you the reason we did it is that we have, I think we most of our people are entrepreneurs, right? That's that's who we train. And there wasn't a program out there that gave people like myself a playbook that says, look, you've got to really figure out where you want to be and what you want to be. And then here's the playbook to get there. I just kind of skipped the steps and I was never it was always missing something. You know how you you're cooking something and you realize mm-hmm. you're missing an ingredient. I was missing the planning part, and I was always doing an org chart based on the people that I knew that I had versus clean slate. Don't put anyone there. Don't think about who should go there. Just say what would it look like first. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing that, you know we've doubled. as said you know we've got an awful lot of new people. We've also doubled in size, as far as revenue is concerned, because this just created a single view of what where we're going, how we're doing things, what we're doing, and it's changed everything. So that sales engine now powers this car that we now determined is going to that location. So I've got the GPS, it's organizational excellence. Here's the fuel, great salespeople and great sales managers. Boom. That's what we're seeing in the marketplace.
0: I love that, Dave. This is David. And I can't tell you how excited it is to hear that you're continuing to push that envelope to say, what else can we do? What what can we take advantage of to not only ensure that the corporate aspect of Sandler is swimming, so to speak, in the same direction, but that also the other offices and all the other branches of Sandler is following suit. And I love that because you're giving the people you're training. And these are sales leaders, Dave, that you don't just keep for Uh, cycle of going through the program. No, these guys are with you for years. And so you're continuing to push their learning and their ability to grow in their confidence. So I love that you're doing that, Dave. That's that's awesome. Kudos to you on that.
1: Thanks. And I think as we look in the future, we've now made a huge commitment to sales leadership. We're reimagining our sales leadership program just for that's the sales leader of tomorrow and things are changing, right? We've got a huge amount of new sales leaders, you know, 86% of the people coming into sales management have zero experience. Wow. That's a big number, right? That's yep. a big number. So especially if you are a smaller company, you don't have the training resources mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are necessary. Like, you know, our clients like a LinkedIn or a Salesforce. So we've got to make sure that we we've put some energy in there. Of course, we're redoing all of our virtual stuff because now, with all the new technology that's come out, virtual training, virtual uh, leadership, virtual sales is changing dramatically. So that's something that we're updating as well. That's awesome. and the other thing I think is the new world that's changed is customer success. So we have a whole new track on customer success, which is that group of people that takes over after the sale to make sure that they're 100% comfortable, but also starts to upsell and cross sell. That's a new, as you guys know, that's a role that's been very, you know, become very popular over the last three to four years.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, This is Danny. I, I love that everything you're saying is we're continuing to evolve. We're continuing to grow. We're continuing to evaluate. We're continuing to improve. We're continuing to get better. This is something that all leaders, no matter what industry they're in, should continue to say every year. As you said before, look, things have changed. We had this COVID situation that, that happened. I mean, everyone should always be reevaluating, reevolving. If you have a sales methodology, you have a sales process, go back and reevaluate it, go look at it, test it out. How are, how are we doing? Where are things at? Where can we improve? How can we improve the process? I love that. That's always continue to always think big and and grow and scale and improve. And you said as yourself, when's the last time I actually went through a self-improvement for myself, my own training, my own personal growth, my own personal development. So I love that Dave, they're going to be leaders who listen to our program who want to take the organizations to the next level. They want to grow it. They want to scale it. They want success. How would you advise them to begin or even start a sales training program?
1: Well, certainly, I'd love if anyone wanted to call us. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to have them come watch one of our programs as our guests. Just say, hey, I was on, you know, I heard Dave and the brothers and listen, here's the ding. I want to come watch. Please do so. But I think other than that, shameless plug, uh, here's what I would do. Uh, going through sales training without a sales process for yourself is a social donation. Wow. Right. Basically what you're doing is individual skill enhancement, which is okay. But if you really want to do it seriously and create a, get, make sure you have a sales process, make sure the methodology fits with your process, right? Not just parts of it. And then make sure management is committed because they need to reinforce it. You can't rely on a video. You can't rely on a book. You can't rely on an outside person. You've got to take accountability. You have to be accountable. You have to take responsibility and then reinforce it. There's no way that that group can be there as often as enough to make a huge impact. You've got to make sure that you are committed to doing it, to reinforce it, to coach it mm. and all of those things. And then I think measure, you know, measure the results. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurial companies do not know their numbers. I mm. mean, it's, you know, we're shocked about the lack of sophistication sometimes on how we're tracking certain things. You know, we look at our checkbook and say, did we make more money this month than we did last month? Okay. Well, I guess we're on track, you know, and that's not really how we do it. And then, so Danny, I would just one comment on your entrepreneurs that continually have to grow. You know, my wife says to me, what are you doing? I mean, everything's fine. Why are you, why are you risking all this and hiring these people And what we're like on the five yard line? What are you doing? Why are you causing all of this? And It makes you wonder. But here's what I I would say that I've witnessed and I do not want to become. Entrepreneurs that are your clients, right? They have worked hard to get to where they are. They've taken educated risks. You know, it's very lonely as an entrepreneur. They've done all the things to get them to wherever they are today. And here's the thing that kills us instead of using all of that same reasoning and skills and risk and all the stuff that got you here, you stop doing it because you're not in. You're not in growth mode. Now what you're doing is in protection mode. And when you're in protection mode, you're done. You are done because protection mode wouldn't have gotten you to where you are today. And you have a competitor that is waiting for you to go into protection mode. That's called stagnant and you're done. It's over. So if that's where you are, sell the business. Just sell it because you're going to, you might as well take the sale at the heights because it's going to go down pretty quickly. So, I don't know if you've seen the same, right? We do all the right things and then we stop. All right, you got to protect the pile. All right, well, the pile just starts to evaporate after a while.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely have seen it. And I'm so grateful for that because you have brought up some great nuggets of wisdom. And I want to make sure that our audience knows how to contact you. So, for anyone in our audience today, any leaders, any organizations looking to learn more, please reach out to Dave at Sandler.com slash Dave hyphen Mattson and make sure that when you reach out to him, let him know that you heard about him. You heard about his program. You heard about his organization. You were inspired. and you want to learn more about him, but also make sure that you pick up some of the books that we talked about. You know, not only is Dave, the CEO and president of Sandler training, which as you stated earlier, it's an international training organization, 32 different countries, 250 offices. They double their sales staff because they just realized that, look, there's a pandemic going on. There's more opportunities for these boot camps. There's more opportunities for virtual training sessions. And they decided to invest in their own organizations to help you. So please, on behalf of David Brown and myself, Dave, we're so grateful to have you on. We look forward to having you come back again because today- you have given all of our audience a lot of wisdom today and not all of it, but a lot of it. And as you said before, look, you guys want to find out more about Sandler training, go to his YouTube site. He has a lot of his training sessions there just to give you a snippet of what you're going to get when you sign up for his program. And we look so forward to hearing more about your books. We're so grateful to be able to talk about the book, the road to excellence, the six leadership strategies to build a bulletproof business audience today. listen. Do not get stagnant. Do not hold on to what you have. Scale and grow. Make sure you take advantage of today's session. And on behalf of Dave and I, Dave Madison, thank you so very much for joining us as our special guest today.
1: Thanks for having me. Look forward to the next time we're together.